is a place where they'll pay you a thousand dollars for a kiss and fifty cents for your soul. Welcome to Holly Weird, a podcast about celebrity deaths and the strange events in Tinseltown and beyond. We are your hosts, Megan Carpenter and Liz Shire. It's a continuation of our latest series, Drop Dead Gorgeous. Each episode of this series will tackle the untimely deaths of the Hollywood heartthrobs you pined for and cried over when they were taken too soon. This is Drop Dead Gorgeous. Last episode, we gave ourselves the Varsity Blues discussing the death of Paul Walker. But for today, to see who's next, here are today's headlines. Questions this morning surrounding the death of actor Heath Ledger. The news of Heath Ledger's death spread fast. Authorities say Olsen was the first person called by a masseuse who found the 28-year-old actor's lifeless body in his Manhattan apartment. According to police, the 28-year-old actor was discovered naked in his bed with sleeping pills nearby. Police say prescription pills were found nearby. An autopsy performed Wednesday was inconclusive. Authorities say more tests are needed to determine the cause of death. The actor's death was ruled an accidental drug overdose. In Australia, Heath's family said they believe the death was accidental. Authorities believe the painkillers oxycodone and hydrocodone found in Ledger's system were obtained with phony prescriptions or other illegal means. This one broke back our hearts. It's the story of the death of Heath Ledger. January 22, 2008, Manhattan, New York. Housekeeper Teresa Solomon and masseuse Diana Wollison arrive at Heath Ledger's Soho Loft. Wollison had a 3 p.m. appointment with the actor, but when the women arrived, they found him unconscious. Wollison called Ledger's friend, actress Mary Kate Olson, for help. Olson, who was in California at the time, directed a private security guard in New York to the scene. After the call with Mary-Kate, Wollison called 911. With the guidance of the 911 operator, CPR was performed, but unsuccessful. Approximately a half hour after Ledger was initially discovered unconscious, paramedics arrived. Ledger was pronounced dead and his body removed from the apartment. Heath Ledger was 28 years old. A memorial service was held in Los Angeles, after which Ledger's family returned his body to Perth, where his ashes were interred at a family plot. Roughly two weeks after his passing, autopsy results were released, indicating that Ledger died as the result of, quote, acute intoxication by the combined effects of oxycodone, hydrocodone, diazepam, temazepam, alprazolam, and doxylamine. English, please. 
controlled substance pain medications, sedatives for insomnia, Xanax, over-the-counter sleep meds. The death was ruled accidental, resulting from the abuse of prescribed medications. Many physicians are reluctant to order multiple benzodiazepines for a single patient, let alone when that patient is already on prescription painkillers. The Associated Press would go on to report that Ledger's death likely occurred between 1 p.m. and 2.45 p.m., with his housekeeper and masseuse arriving around 3, but the medical examiner's office would not publicly disclose their estimated time of death. Nearly a month after Ledger's passing, two physicians, one in Los Angeles and the other in Houston, would be cleared of any wrongdoing. A DEA investigation concluded that they prescribed him other medications, not the exact pills that killed him. Later that year, in August 2008, a reporter at the New York Post would write that Mary-Kate Olson refused to be interviewed by federal investigators without the promise of immunity. Her attorney issued a statement denying that Olson supplied Ledger with any drugs and denied any knowledge of how Ledger obtained them. It is still publicly unknown how Heath Ledger obtained the oxycodone and hydrocodone involved in the lethal combination that killed him. The death of Heath Ledger was announced as the top entertainment news story of 2008 by the Associated Press. On the one-year anniversary of his death in 2009, Academy Award nominations were announced naming Heath Ledger a nominee for Best Supporting Actor for his role as the Joker in The Dark Knight. Ledger would go on to win that Academy Award, becoming the second person to win a posthumous Oscar, after actor Peter Finch, who won in 1976. Heath's parents and sisters accepted the award on his behalf, but the Academy determined that daughter Matilda would be the owner of the award, with Matilda's mother, actress Michelle Williams, maintaining ownership of the award until Matilda turns 18. So that's how it ended. But how did it begin? Heath Ledger was born on April 4, 1979, in Perth, Australia. The youngest child of Sally Ramshaw and Kim Ledger, Heath and his older sister Kate were named for the main characters of the Emily Bronte novel, Wuthering Heights. Ledger also had a younger half-sister Ashley from his mother's second marriage and younger half-sister Olivia from his father's second marriage. It was his sister Kate who introduced Heath to acting in theater as a child. Heath became so serious about the craft, he completed early graduation exams at age 16 to then leave school to pursue acting. Driving cross-country to Sydney with childhood friend Trevor DiCarlo, Ledger left to chase his dream of becoming an actor. It would actually be upon return to Perth that he would get some small television work, leading up to regular work on the television series Sweat, on which he played a cyclist. Ledger would have steady television work in Australia for the next five or so years, until a little movie called Ten Things I Hate About You would launch his international career in 
Ledger cemented his movie star status in the few years that followed with roles in films like The Patriot. We have to do something. I forbid you to go. My child, you're my child. A son fighting for his beliefs. Father, I thought you were a man of principle. When you have a family of your own, perhaps you'll understand. When I have a family of my own, I won't hide behind them. Monster's Ball, A Knight's Tale. I have the pride, the privilege, nay, the pleasure of introducing to you a knight sired by knights. William Thatcher didn't make the rules. He was born. I've waited my whole life for this moment. To break them. And Lords of Dogtown. Critical acclaim also came his way with the leading role in 2005's Brokeback Mountain. His role as rancher Ennis Del Mar earned Ledger an Academy Award nomination. You are too much for me, Ennis. You sound a horse and bitch. I wish I knew how to quit you. Then why don't you? Why don't you just let me be, huh? Because of you, Jack, that I'm like this. I'm nothing. I'm, I'm, I'm nowhere. Oh. On the set of Brokeback Mountain, Ledger met actress Michelle Williams. They fell in love while filming the movie and found themselves expecting a baby by early 2005. Daughter Matilda Rose was born on October 28, 2005. The couple and their baby moved to Brooklyn where they lived until Michelle and Heath split in September 2007. Ledger's most iconic film role came in 2008's The Dark Knight, in which he played the infamous Joker. Then why do you want to kill me? <laughs> I, don't, I don't want to kill you. What would I do without you? Go back to ripping off mob dealers? No, no. No. No, you. You complete me. You're garbage. You kills for money. Don't talk like one of them. You're not. Even if you'd like to be. To them, you're just a freak. Like me. They need you right now. But when they don't, they'll cast you out. Like a leper. See, their morals, their code. It's a bad joke. I'm dropped at the first sign of trouble. They're only as good as the world allows them to be. I'll show you. When the chips are down, these, uh, these civilized people, they'll eat each other. See, I'm not a monster. I'm just ahead of the curve. He would posthumously win a Best Supporting Actor Academy Award for the role that he himself referred to as a psychotic, mass-murdering, schizophrenic clown with zero empathy. In a New York Times article published in November 2007, Ledger told journalist Sarah Lyle that his recently wrapped roles in I'm Not There, a film inspired by Bob Dylan, and The Dark Knight had affected his ability to sleep. He added that he had trouble with Ambien as the medication was just not working for him, and that on many nights he managed to sleep for only two hours. In the weeks before his death, it was reported that Ledger was unwell, suffering from some type of respiratory ailment. 
it was noted by Imaginarium of Dr. Parnassus co-star Christopher Plummer that Ledger was unwell with something such as walking pneumonia, but that he was preoccupied at that time by his inability to sleep as the source of his ailing. It's time for Hollyweird post-mortem. Why is Heath Ledger and his death so intriguing? Was his role as the Joker a contributor to his death? Here's our best guess. Liz, hello. Hello. Are you a Heath Ledger fan? Are you kidding me? Yes, I am. So in contrast to maybe our, um, Black, well, we did it. We did a great job, but I guess we weren't we weren't huge Paul Walker fans. Uh, I'm a giant Heath Ledger fan. Meg, what about you? I am. Yeah, I. <laughs> to well, I feel bad like going back and talking about the Paul Walker seri- uh, episode, but it is a series, baby. This <laughs> is Drop Dead Gorgeous, so we can tie it together. Um, like I mentioned that. Paul Walker films are difficult for me to watch now. Like, his death has just tainted his art, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, totally the opposite with Heath Ledger. Like, I could watch 10 Things I Hate About You all day long. Right. And I think the difference is the man was just so talented. My God, yes. And, well, I mean, I guess they're both hot, but, like, I don't know. I don't know what it, I don't know what it was about Heath Ledger that did it for me, but he was, I mean, granted. Okay, so if we want to go there, like, Heath Ledger was gorgeous, but I feel like he wasn't as classically beautiful as a Paul Walker. Uh, like, Paul Walker was, like, yeah. a pretty boy. Yes. And I feel like Heath Ledger had a more handsome, manly appeal about him. And he was also a little bit edgier, I think. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I, I'd say that's fair. Like, doing, like, um, his character in 10 Things I Hate About You. I guess that's maybe, that's probably what I think about with him because that's my favorite Heath Ledger movie and one of my favorite movies ever. I hate the way you talk to me and the way you cut your hair. I hate the way you drive my car. I hate it when you stare. I hate your big dumb combat boots and the way you read my mind. I hate you so much it makes me sick. It even makes me rhyme. I hate it. I hate the way you're always right. I hate it when you lie. I hate it when you make me laugh, even worse when you make me cry. I hate it when you're not around and the fact that you didn't call. But mostly I hate the way I don't hate you. Not even close, not even a little bit, not even at all. Yes. All right, so let's talk about Heath Ledger movies. Your favorite is 10 Things I Hate About You? That and Tell Me You Remember the Patriot. (laughs) Before Mel Gibson went... Gotta plug it, The Patriot is on Netflix as of this recording. Oh, Meg, doing the people some service. Thank you. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, so check it out. And I mean, so it's not typical that we see a man who changes up his hair color, but as often as a female does. He changes hair color? No, well, he said, like, I'm saying he was so blonde in The Patriot, and he was, he had very dark hair and said things I hate about you, but. Oh, like, yeah. Both were blonde. <laughs> so, like, he 
he pulled it off being an attractive bad boy and had things made about you and like the dutiful son with a heart of gold in the Patriot. Like it all worked and it all worked really well. I know. Like, did we create this series just to go back into our like horny, horrible, prepubescent like <laughs> time period? Yeah. Why else did, would we do this? Right. Yeah. Of course. <laughs> um, um. Do you remember Nice Tale? Oh my gosh! Um, yes, I love that, that movie. That movie came out. So I was probably again a preteen when that movie came out, and I just thought it was like the edgiest shit around because <laughs> they were like jousting to rock and roll music. Right. I just, I loved that movie. Someday, I'll be a knight. Yes, William. If he believes enough, a man can do anything. Yes, I, oh my gosh, now I remember, I mean, I remember watching that at camp once, um, which I was like, oh, thank God we're showing a good movie, this is quality, quality cinema, but, uh, yeah, I do remember, yeah, thinking that was really cool. Also, the thing I think about that movie is that the actress who plays the female lead, I forget who it is. Shannon Fosselman. Thank you so much, named her child, Audio Science. Oh, that's unfortunate. Which now has been beaten by Grimes and Elon Musk's baby. <laughs> X Ash age twelve. Oh my god. Yeah, I mean is that what I don't even know, is it? We I I think. We knew we were gonna get there at some point. <laughs> it started with Moon Unit, Zappa, and then it went to Audio Science, Sossaman, and now we're at XA seventeen flying saucer Musk. <laughs> so I think a difference also is some of his earlier roles in which he was the heartthrob, if you will, Uh were actually, like, masterfully performed. Like, that performance in 10 Things I Hate About You and The Patriot, those are fantastic performances. Yes. That, so he's, like, able to, like, immediately transcend the beefcake. Yes. He was, he had the... The brains and the looks. And I think that was probably, you know, he didn't get as far as he got without having talent. I mean, like, not to, we're not walk, we're not knocking Paul Walker, please. But in comparison with the series, Paul Walker was a classically good looking guy who was a decent actor who got kind of like roles that were, they weren't that edgy, they were pretty palatable for all audiences, and it made him popular. Heath Ledger was an attractive actor who showed how good his talent was, and then that led to really interesting roles for him. I mean, like, um, Brokeback Mountain was, like, a big game-changer for his career. And at the time that it came out, when gay marriage was kind of, like, the big debate, there was, like, a huge risk for him, and he did an awesome, awesome job. Yeah, I would say that that film... That's a great film. If you haven't seen it, I would recommend it. That film probably was his, like, breakout as a critically acclaimed performer. Yes, like... He got award nominations for that film. Yes, like, gaining respect from... in the industry, for sure. There is something that I do need to mention. 
because I remember, so Heath Ledger died my senior year of high school. No, junior. My It was my senior year. I remember it very vividly, so it would have been your junior year. Yes, thank you, Megan. <laughs> so it was my junior year of high school, and I remember watching, so that like after he died, there was a lot of like, you know, E! True Hollywood, there was an E! True Hollywood story made about him. Lots of like resurgence of his movies being played on TV. So Abby, friend of the podcast, and I were watching his E! True Hollywood story, and they, you know, they start in the beginning, and they go linearly till the end. So one of the first things they talked about was this Australian TV show about Okay. It was an Australian TV show about people who worked at a gym and it was called Sweet <laughs> because they were Australian. It was his fault. He's slacking his pace. That doesn't mean you clip him. <laughs> Your times are good. If we iron out the precision, you can win this cup. I doubt it. Beg your pardon? Nothing. Snow, your attitude's gone through the floor in these last few days. You got a problem? If you don't sort yourself out, mate, you're gonna let us all down. Maybe it'd be better if I just got out of everyone's way. Here we go. Why don't you chuck another wobbly? I'm not chucking a wobbly, it's... It's just, I've had enough. <laughs> Sorry. Sweet. Sweet. And like, the in, okay, in, insert insert theme song here. There was like, people worked at a gym and he's a very young Heath Ledger, like, doing bicep curls and like, hey, what are we going to do about so-and-so? Like, it was so, so bad. It was on for one season. <laughs> I have a great Australian accent, guys. It's like so convincing. <laughs> swear to god but we still joke about that to this day like if someone uses the word sweat we go sweet did you ever watch the show sadly no no me neither but maybe it's never too late (laughs) yeah we gotta find it um okay so some other things on his filmography which i'd like to mention combination of like TV and movies, he only has 23 credits, which a lot of actors would be happy to have 23 credits, but Mm -hmm. that's actually not a lot when you think about, I guess, the, I mean, maybe 10 years that he was, like, a professional actor. Right. Um, And also for how famous he was. Yes. Yes. For how A-list he became. That's not a large total number. After Brokeback Mountain, um, obviously... The Dark Knight was probably his largest, most profound role, albeit came out posthumously. Um, he won the Oscar for that role. And then, you know what I did? I never watched his last acting credit, which was The Imaginarium of Dr. Parnassus. Did you ever see that movie? Mm-mm. That's the one that they were unable to finish. So Jude Law, Johnny Depp, and Colin Farrell joined the film to, like, supplement the role that Heath could never finish. And because it was so, like, fairy tale-ish, they were able to, like, come up with a storyline about why he looked different. So, oh, um, huh. but they all played the same role then. Creative. Um, not a whole, not a 
large number of notable films, but um, ones that have made a lasting impact. So do you think Heath Ledger was an underrated actor? For some reason, I, I guess it's because they've now played similar roles. But when I think Heath Ledger and I think kind of like what he would have done, I think about Joaquin Phoenix because kind of similar like success at a young age, um, heartthrob status, though now that Joaquin is getting older, I don't think it's as at the forefront of what people think of when they think of Joaquin. Um, But I kind of think like he has so much more respect now as an actor just because of the time that he's had and the projects he's been able to do that have given him, you know, more options and then more just like a bigger breath of work for people to say like, wow, this guy is really good. Because despite all the background stuff, he is a good actor. And I think, I would agree. I think he was underrated, but I think if he had more time and he had more opportunities for bigger roles, like people were so impressed with The Dark Knight. I'm to be, I don't want to be super uh, callous about it, but I'm not sure if he had died if he still would have won the posthumous Oscar for The Dark Knight. He did an amazing job. It was a great, great role. I think it was like totally like, you know, it totally changed his the trajectory of his career and it probably would have, you know, continued to change it. But I think because he was known as a hunk and known as like a pretty boy and he was gaining respect, I think he was underrated in that regard. Yeah, I feel like he... I also feel torn on that question because, like, he was in that movie Monsters Ball, the movie that Halle Berry won her Oscar for. Right, which I didn't even realize. And I was like, totally, I guess, I don't know, I only seen, like, half of it on TV. Anyway, sorry, continue. <laughs> no, I know, I didn't, I don't think I knew that either until I started researching this, but um, that was, like, one of his earlier film credits. That movie only came out, like, two or three years after... Um, 10 Things I Hate About You. Mm-hmm. So, and like he received a lot of good reviews for that role in particular. So, like, I feel like he was never like panned universally, or I just feel like he hadn't really like made it. You know? Yeah. I think he was like just yeah. on the edge of doing that. Yeah. Yeah. Which, that's sad when you think about, although I don't know that he necessarily wanted that from, like, some of the documentaries I watched preparing for this. Like, he was kind of very family-oriented and had a lot of interests outside of acting and wanted to just live a normal life. So, like, perhaps he was okay that he didn't, like, catapult to A-list, super A-list stardom, mm-hmm. but uh, I think there was a lot of potential um, right around the time he died for that. Yeah, I would totally agree. Do you think that Heath Ledger is endearing to us because of his plethora of secret talents? Um, and just to name some of those, he was very into photography. He was a competitive chess player as a child. Um, he directed music videos, um, some lesser-known artists, and then also artists like Ben Harper and Modest Mouse. Which is awesome. Um, he could play the Digidaroo. No. <laughs> Meg, would you like to take that one again? <laughs> he could play the Digidaroo. Digidaroo. Sound it out. Digidaroo. 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 I'm sure he could also say Digidaroo, so that's cool. <laughs> and also, he could fly planes. 
wait, what? Who is this international man of mystery? <laughs> also, I do you know. want... It makes him cooler, though, doesn't it? Yeah, that's awesome. He's... I I was, like, really surprised about the Modest Mouse thing, but that's, like, he, he just seems... I don't know if it's the time period that, like, I was interested in Heath Ledger, but he seems like a cool guy that I would have a crush on because he was cool and hot. Yes. Yes. Okay. So, you, like, keyworded something for me. The time in which he passed, which was 2008, like, we, it was a very cuspy time for stardom and social media. I'm trying to think, I had Facebook, but there was no Instagram Mm -hmm. or anything like that. Um, This 2008, that was the time where, like, tabloids were extremely intrusive. Like, that's, like, the Britney Spears umbrella car yep. time period. Oh my god, what like, a time. I I wonder if Heath Ledger were alive today, like, if if he would have embraced that, or if he would have walked away from that. Something tells me with all the interests that he had that were creative that he would have rejected that. And also, he because it, he probably wouldn't have ended up being someone salacious or like a Lindsay Lohan or a Britney that had things to report on, people probably would have not tried to investigate that anyway. Yeah, that's true. So, part of the dark period uh, before Heath Ledger's passing, um, and actually, who knows how long this plagued him throughout his life, but it was noted as right before his passing, is he suffered terribly with insomnia. Mm -hmm. Have you ever experienced insomnia? I have. Um, have you? Yes, actually. When uh, when I was pregnant, um, I had insomnia. I joked that it was just prepping me for nights awake with babies, but um, it was actually awful. It's one of the worst things that I went through during pregnancy. Oh, God. There were some nights where I would sleep like two hours, and I would just feel awful the whole next day. Oh, my God. On top of being I, pregnant, too. I was, <laughs> yes. Uh I mean, and I was tired. I wish I could sleep, like go to sleep. It's not like I was being busy. I was just laying there, um, unable to sleep. Right. Ledger said that there were some nights he would average two hours, and while he was tired, his mind would just not stop racing. It's awful. It is, and I, I can never put away my therapist hat. I just like put other hats on top of it, but something that is important about insomnia is he says his thoughts wouldn't stop racing and that is sometimes what people describe when they have anxiety sleep is i remember when i took um psychopathology my professor was like we're gonna spend a third of this class on sleep because it's that important when it comes to psychological conditions because sleep is so connected to everything that we do and it's usually the first sign that things are wrong or that things are changing like if you have anxiety, it might be difficult to get to sleep. If you have racing thoughts, if you can't stop your mind, if you're, you know, heart's beating too fast that so you can't relax. If for people with depression, that's also linked to insomnia. Um, if you have bipolar disorder and you're going into mania, usually like, you know, your sleep decreases. If you're going to a depressive episode, it increases. If you like, it's just, a, it's a big, big part of obviously how we function, but also it's a big indicator that it's always what we call comorbid with another, um, usually with something else, whether it's medical, like pregnancy, 
or whether it's, you know, psychological, like anxiety or depression. So knowing that, that's why I think probably people might have linked like the Joker role to insomnia. I know that's kind of like just sensational, but if someone's experiencing insomnia, there's usually something else going on in their life. That's interesting. And well, I mean, we'll get to this, like the uh, cocktail of medications he was on was hefty. Yes. Um, and would lead one to believe that there is more to the story than just an insomnia. Um, but we'll get there. That's interesting that it's usually tied to something else. It's hard to think that he's been dead for 12 years. Uh, Megan, it's hard to think that we've been out of high school for 12 years. <laughs> Do you remember where you were when you heard he loved or died? I don't remember exactly. I do remember watching the news story. I was probably at school. I remember this as clearly as I remember the birth of my children. (gasps) Wow. I was at home, my parents' home, but I was in high school, so my home too. And it was after school. So I want to say, like, maybe before dinner time, like four, five, that time of day and I received a text message from a friend of mine and all it said was all caps Keith Ledger died with several exclamation points oh my god and imagine if it were like a dramatic movie my phone falls out of my hand in slow motion (laughs) and bounces off the floor in slow motion but anyway then I turned on E the resource for all things pop culture back in 2008. This was like when E was good for this type of shit. It was like E went full E news, emphasis <laughs> on the news, and it was like split screen reporter in the E studio, reporter on the street of New York City. There's like a news ticker at the bottom of the screen giving factoids about what they know so far. Juliana Rancic and is pretending to be a reporter for once in her life. Exactly, and I just remember being glued to that TV until my mom was like, you need to come eat dinner now, please. <laughs> but, <laughs> um, that's also how I watched about the death of Anna Nicole. They did the same thing for her, I remember. But isn't that strange that we just remember things like that? Um, yeah, it is, but it's also like, you know, shows how important and significant, you know, he was to pop culture and things you're interested in. I definitely, I remember feelings. I don't quite remember where I was, but I remember, you know, must have been junior year of high school, and I do remember watching the news stories of, like, them, like, being night in Manhattan, and they were, like, wheeling the body out. Um, That's awful. Yeah. And then so much about Mary-Kate Olsen. (laughs) I, okay, so, we get two questions in life that we get to know the answers to. Who killed JonBenet Ramsey? Who killed Jamin and Ramsey, obviously, number one. <laughs> and two, what does Mary Kate Olsen know? What does she know? What? Why? Why would the... Oh, I forget if it was the housekeeper. And the masseuse. masseuse. Both arrived at the same time yeah. in the apartment. But one of them, before she called anyone, called Mary Kate Olsen. Called <laughs> Michelle Tanner. Why? <laughs> Because they had to have been dating. Yes. That's kind of what I'm thinking, too. Like, so he had to have been, at the very least, she was someone he was spending a lot of time with. And they also knew, you know, 
she had the resources to help them. So either like they were whatever, extremely close and hanging out, or they were dating. And I mean, so she sent over a private security guard. Which, like, I can't blame her for. There's nothing... That's probably the maximum that she's capable of doing for them. Right. Situation. Right. Like, okay, Mary-Kate, but, like, it's just so strange to me that he's not conscious or breathing, and they call her and not 911 first. I wonder if... um, Talk about something I was devastated by. Do you remember when we're, a couple of summers ago when Demi Lovato overdosed and I was like, if she dies, I don't know what I'm going to do. I'm going to be so sad. Um, yeah. But apparently, so the 911 call was leaked and her assistant was like, can you please not come with sirens? Like, And the 911 operator was like, your friend OD'd? No. Like, we're coming with sirens. This is an emergency. But I wonder if it was something like that that, like, so – a lot of times celebrities, their their best friends are the people that work for them because they end up being so famous they don't have other friends that aren't famous or people that work for them and they're the closest people that are always around. So I wonder if like, and, and usually it's kind of like nannies, like people who work for famous people have experience working for other famous people and they know how things are supposed to go. So I wonder if they were like, oh shit, like if this is some a suspicious death, like we cannot just call the police. Like we need like to consult with someone who knows what to do. Yeah, that's actually a really good point. Perhaps when it's already profile high profile or has the potential to be very high profile, there's like a panic where the sensical train of thought of just call nine one one isn't the way that things go. Right. Perhaps, yeah. I should I want to know if they were dating, damn it. Also, she didn't comment on it, so, like, they were dating. Yes. Why else? I guess, like, okay, first of all, we really have to do a Fallen Star sidebar on these damn Olsen twins at some point. It's going to smell like cigarettes. When you play it through your device, you're just going (laughs) to smell Marlboro menthols through your phone. (laughs) It's going to smell like money and cigarettes. Um... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I guess like like they just like strike me as such an odd couple I feel like Mary Kate and anyone would strike me as such an odd couple but <laughs> she's so little and he was so tall it's just you know I know but that's anybody that Mary Kate dates <laughs> yeah, that's true. I'll be honest I, I um, love the Olsen twins sometimes when I'm bored I google old Olsen twins smoking it's some of the best pictures. So, and we'll talk about Michelle Williams, but he and, Keith and Michelle broke up just a couple months before his death. Mm-hmm. And he was linked to, like, several women in just those short few months, which I'm not making judgment on that. I'm just stating that he was. Mm-hmm. And um, Helena Christensen, Mary-Kate Olsen... Lindsay Lohan. Mm. She shows okay, so up again. It's the part where I pass judgment on his <laughs> dating. <laughs> oh, God. I feel like Michelle Williams is like a goddess, right? Yes. She is perfection. I guess I just don't see like what the attraction is to Lindsay Lohan or Mary Kate Olsen. Oh, Meg, you never dated the bottom of the barrel, have you? It's a real interesting place. 
I will say, I cannot believe I'm going to say this. Maybe I'll cut it out. Sometimes when you date someone who's a little bit of a mess, it makes you look like you have everything together. Oh, shit. You just went full therapy on this. So are you saying because this was a time in his life when he was so obviously fucked up, and I say that with quotes around it because it could apply in several different manners. Right. His pick of Lindsay or Mary Kate makes him seem more stable to himself. Yeah. Or maybe to other people. Also, for a nicer way to put it, because yeah, sometimes people do that. I'm not going to say I've worked on one for twice. But also, sometimes when people are in long-term relationships, and then they get out of them, it's like, oh, maybe it's time to explore. Maybe it's time to try new things. Or maybe date somebody I wouldn't have dated before. Kind of thing. Can you say fire crotch in, in an Australian accent? <laughs> Do it. F- fire crotch. No. Fi- How do you say Crat? <laughs> fire crotch. Lindsay Lohan's a fire crotch. <laughs> okay, I see what you mean. He was getting out of a long term relationship and he was just seeing what's out there. Yeah. And he was fucking Heath Ledger, so no one's going to say no to that. In the words of Snooki, I wouldn't push him off. (laughs) (laughs) I just have to ask this question, which is anecdotal to this entire conversation. Since we started doing this podcast, and we've been digging into these stories further, paying more attention to this type of thing... Have you ever been afraid that you're going to accidentally OD on prescribed meds or cold meds? Just asking for a friend. Um, I'm really glad that you put this in here because I was literally reading through the Heath Ledger stuff and I was like, oh my god, like this is so easy to do. Yes, I, yes, I'm very afraid. <laughs> I had an awful cold um, like a year ago and I remember taking like Tylenol, um, Daytime or Dayquil or mm-hmm. one of those, and it's like, do not take more than five of these pills in a 24-hour period. And I took six in this 24-hour period, and I was like, I'm gonna hate pleasure myself. <laughs> what am I doing? <laughs> I to lose track. That's I, all I'm saying. I prefer the term Marilyn Monroeing, but yes, I understand. <laughs> no, I mean it's okay. She was murdered, and we'll get to that. <laughs> um, the only other thing. Um, since we were talking about some of the ladies oh, yeah. in Keith's life, before he dated Michelle Williams, he dated Naomi Watts for a couple years. What? Uh-huh. This was um, early 2000s, like right as he, like like post 10 Things I Hate About You, he was kind of becoming a name in America. He dated her for like maybe two two years, but she's 11 years older than he is, so. Mm. Alright, so an autopsy revealed that the cause of death was acute intoxication by the combined effects of oxycodone. Which <laughs> the brand name is Roxycodone. Sexy. <laughs> hydrocodone. Oh, it's just hydrocodone. That's it. Okay. Okay. Diazepam. Diazepam is Valium. Tamazepam. Tamazepam is Restoril. Alprazolam. Is Xanax. Doxylamine. 
is Unisom. So we got some pain meds. We got some cold medicine. Theoretically, an antidepressant or anti-anxiety. Yeah. Xanax. All, all the PAMs are um, benzodiazepines, which is, those are, no, I've said this again, I've said it before. There are only two drugs that you can with, uh, die from a withdrawal, and that is alcohol and benzodiazepines if you're abusing them. Yeah. I did not know that. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So, and that, that was what Amy Winehouse died of, or did she? So, this is kind of like shows the progress of what we know about these kinds of medications, unfortunately, from things like this, is that nowadays, like, no doctor would prescribe you more than one benzodiazepine because they all do the same thing. The only difference is, is that some of them stay longer, they have a longer half-life, so they stay in your body for longer, like Xanax notoriously has a short half-life, so that's why it has a, a bigger propensity to get addictive, but no doctor now would be prescribing you multiple ones, and now they have the, um, the national database of, like, prescriptions that other doctors prescribe, so now if a doctor wants to prescribe you or thinks it's appropriate to prescribe you a benzodiazepine, they'll consult this list and say, like, oh, well, I see you're already prescribed um, you know, Xanax, so I'm not going to give you Valium. So it's interesting that you brought that up because in the years since his passing, his dad, Kim Ledger, has become a total advocate for prescription drug monitoring, um, asking or crusading against doctor shopping, um, that type of thing. So, I mean, it was only 12 years ago, but like you had mentioned, there are medical fail-safes now, or attempts at fail-safes, um, that just really didn't exist back then. So, and also, I don't know what it's like to have a doctor when you're a famous person, but if you're, like, traveling the world for different acting gigs, or you split your time here and here, like, are those, do you have different doctors in all those places? Do they send doctors to you? Do those doctors talk to each other? I feel like, I almost feel like the danger is heightened when you have that kind of lifestyle. And certainly before this prescription drug monitoring program that we have now existed. That's definitely um, a really good point. Do you think that his, do you think that it was his lifestyle that inadvertently led to over-prescribing or prescribing of potentially dangerous combinations? Or do you, I mean... Do you think there was a doctor shopping element to him? Uh, so, it's hard to say. Uh, he didn't really have a reputation. The, yeah, the only reason I ask that, because I agree, he did not have a reputation of that. It's been said that the reason why he and Michelle Williams broke up, and the reason why she asked him to leave their home, was because of his drug use. Mm. And I don't necessarily mean like street drugs, but dangerous prescription drugs. Hmm. I mean, knowing that information, you know whether or not it's true, but if you take that into consideration, yeah, there's definitely a chance. And this is back, but this was right when people were figuring out, like, just how addictive OxyContin was and that it, like, wasn't effective for pain and then it just had such a high rate of, you know, of chance to be addictive. You know, all these medications, like, affect your behavior. They're all suppressants, so they all, like, suppress your, you know, your nervous system and make you, like, more, it's a downer. They're all downers. So, if he's taking all these things at the same time, and, you know, you know, if 
famous people who are wealthy don't have to go through insurance, you know, it doesn't have to be as, like, as a diary is like, oh, he was doctor shopping, he was an addict. He could have been like, wow, you know, I'm really having a lot of anxiety and I really need this medication. This doctor won't give it to me, so, like, let me go try to get it somewhere else. And this was before, you know, the national database and before we were aware of this stuff. You know, it's possible it could be, like, somewhere in the middle. Yeah. That's a really good point. And um, it's really unfortunate that, like, like, now looking back at this, I'm like, oh, my gosh, this would never happen today. Because we know we know now what this does. Exactly. Yeah. And the, the only way it would happen today is if he was doing something, like, illegal. Right. This wouldn't happen today. And I feel like since then, we've seen so many cases of, like, crackdowns on doctors who are prescribing inappropriately. Medication is the most, what we call the most invasive, you know, form of treating something any kind of substance. So we always want to try the least invasive methods first, you know, and if it's something about your lifestyle or, you know, the will therapy help or some kind of mindfulness, like you always want to try that before medication. So I work in mental health, as some of you listeners know, and they're having a big crackdown on benzos, which kind of makes me frustrated because they are really, really helpful for anxiety. And if you can, if you're not abusing them, they're super helpful and you just take them when you need them. They actually really work and they can really help people, but it shouldn't be every day. Like it's something that it's not long-term to treat anxiety. So that's the frustrating part is like now they're kind of getting like doctors are so, so afraid to prescribe them that like, it's like, Oh, but that person could really benefit from that. But I guess the risks like really outweigh the benefits at this point. Yeah. Okay. So why don't we talk about, um, Michelle Williams. Oh. So. <laughs> white, white Michelle. <laughs> white Michelle. White yeah. Michelle. Um, so, I watched a YouTube video that was the cast of Brokeback Mountain. So, Keith Michelle, Jake Gyllenhaal, and Anne Hathaway on Oprah. So, mm-hmm. like, doing an Oprah interview. Um, which, sidebar, remember when, like, the Oprah Winfrey show was, like, on that circuit to promote and she had the ability to nab that kind of star power for a single four o'clock episode uh, it's of her talk show never ceased to amaze tri- me triumph anyway <laughs> um so Keith and Michelle had just had their baby and they were so in love like they just made like googly eyes if you have t- if you are <laughs> He's going to make an insomnia joke, but I will refrain. <laughs> um, if you find yourself just with some extra time to kill, watch this interview. Like, these two people are, I don't want to say puppy love, because that's not what it was. It was, like, that early stage of love when, like, you're just so infatuated with the other person. Mm-hmm. And, like, everything they do is cute and endearing. Mm-hmm. And it was just so freaking adorable that... It made me sad to watch it because, you know, you know how it ends, both in that they broke up and then that he passed when his daughter was so young. Yeah. Um, But I find it so admirable that in the years since his death, she has had nothing but loving and careful and thoughtful things to say or not say about him. 
So Michelle said in an interview, this is a quote, I always say to Matilda, your dad left me before anyone thought I was talented or pretty or had nice clothes. And I'm just like sitting here sobbing reading that. It's almost like she holds it tenderly. Yeah. I just think that's very admirable. Definitely. Especially since, you know, they broke up, so probably there was some kind of, you know, not bad blood, but conflict and issues. And, you know, it definitely shows her uh, her expertise as a parent to have that positive message for her kid, for sure. Yeah. Do you think they ever would have gotten back together? Um, I don't know. Well... According to Busy Phillips, maybe. <laughs> Can you imagine having your godparents be Busy Phillips and Jake Gyllenhaal? Oh my god, no. I mean, I would just be too busy freaking out and asking questions <laughs> about aughts uh, or 2010s pop culture. Huh. I love Busy Phillips. The shit that she must know is just awesome. I know. Do, she... you, do you think Heath Ledger liked Busy Phillips? What makes you ask that? Well, I feel like so, Michelle Williams and Busy Phillips are best friends, and I feel like, okay, I feel like Michelle Williams is, like, really neat and put together on the outside, but I feel like she's, like, a cool-ass chick behind closed doors. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And, like, I feel like Busy Phillips is, like, a cool-ass chick. She's not hiding that at all. Uh-huh. Um, so, but she is... Maybe an acquired taste or, like, a lot to handle. And I just feel like um, Heath Ledger seemed more like an introverted type of person. Like, I just, I, I'm dying to know what that dynamic was like. Oh. Like, at, like, a Friday night charades party. Like, <laughs> what that shit was like. Oh, I see what you're saying. So we kind of all have experienced some point where, like, a significant other had a friend that you were like... Really, they're coming, like, so-and-so. I'm like, yeah, so-and-so is cool. And you're like, okay, fine. But, like, I think so-and-so is annoying. Yeah, I can definitely see that might happen. But also, you know, you yeah. know, when you get to be an adult, it's like, oh, whatever, who cares? It's three hours of my life. And I think I read that she had said that she thought they might get back together. Yeah, she like, did. Even few years later. So I think that's kind of why... That seed's been planted in my head, too, that, to quote Katy Perry, it's never really over. So, <laughs> I've, been, I've, been waiting, I've been sitting on that one for a while. Um, that was good. So, Kyle, my husband, and I, we like to watch Food Network. And our favorite show on the Food Network is Beat Bobby Flay. Have you ever watched Beat Bobby Flay? I haven't. I've been really into guys' grocery games. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> So, I uh, can't say I've ever had the pleasure. So, um, <laughs> B. Bobby Flay, um, these two, um, not amateur, but just not famous chefs come on and they compete, and then the winner um, goes against Bobby Flay in like a cook down throwdown. So, but it's judged <laughs> by famous people. And we watched an episode recently that had been judged by Busy Phillips, who was just good entertainment, by the way. But. She said that it was not her first time on the show, and she said that after her first appearance, she had gotten stopped on the street, 
and the thing that person wanted to talk to her about was be Bobby Flay. Like of all the things, they're like, you gotta go back on the show and be Bobby Flay. And Kyle was like, well, I had said I was like, if you ran into Busy Phillips, is would you talk to her about be Bobby Flay? He's like, yeah, that's probably what I talked to her about. And I was like, you don't want to know everything about me on the show. He's like, no. But I would ask her. <laughs> oh my god yes also freaks and geeks come on yes yes freaks and geeks that would be my oh you you have you have another minute wait can i ask you about <laughs> wait i'm just no, i would want to know how much of an ass james franco was on the set of that show oh that's a good question she would be honest about that, that too that might actually come before he's in michelle now i think about that previously yeah but anyway, I just think that friendship is unique. It is. So this most recent award award season was Joaquin Phoenix's Time to Shine with his Joker performance receiving accolades. And uh, kind of recently before that, Jared Leto, not as successfully <laughs> the Joker in... Um, that Suicide Squad movie. Uh-huh. Do you feel like we've had a little bit of a resurgence of Heath Ledger because of those other Joker performances? Yeah, I think so. I think you can't you can't separate him from that role. Yeah, for better or for worse, right? Um, when Joaquin Phoenix won his Golden Globe, he um, thanked Heath Ledger, whom he called his favorite actor. Mm. So, hmm Oh, worlds like, collide. Yeah, it was, um, and I'd like to thank my favorite actor, Heath Ledger, and Drinking Cow's Milk is Murder, and some shit like that. And I, and I love Rooney Mara. <laughs> They're having a baby, did you know that? I, I mean, Who Weekly told me. <laughs> oh, yeah, <laughs> that's what I heard. <laughs> um, where do we think Heath Ledger would have gone? So, I think that we would continue to see him act I think he would have been either nominated or won more awards for his acting but I think by this point we would have seen him branch out beyond acting whether he was a director at this point or um, he uh, still in the arts but you know maybe he was doing photo spreads for certain magazines or I think he just would have expanded I think he would have gone, like, a McConaughey direction and, like, gone from kind of, like, goofy stuff to, like, better role. Like, I he Heath Ledger co- totally could have been in, like, the third season of True Detective. Like, he could have been, like... <laughs> or, you know, just, like, chain-smoking cigarettes and looking like death while drinking beer in the middle of the day. Or, like, he could have done, like, some cool stuff for HBO. I definitely want to... Like, like, McConaughey has, like, the wild turkey like advertising and like or like so many celebrities now are into making beer or wine or have their own like spirit wine like I think probably would have done some, something like that something just like he probably would have done cool shit really would have yeah he would have done cool shit yep maybe he and Mary Kay would have had like six kids by now. <laughs> um Mary Kay is not reproducing <laughs> no that's what led to her divorce wait a fight over whether to have kids Wait, does she want them? Yeah, 
but she did it initially, which is why um, they like got married and stuff. To Nicholas Sarkozy or whatever the fuck his name is. Uh-huh. <laughs> that old French dude is how I So that bowls and bowls of cigarettes. <laughs> Can you imagine? Oh man, uh, could you imagine a baby nursery though, and like the walls would be like tinged yellow from like the cigarette smoke? <laughs> She's like, she'd be so seventy. She'd be like holding the baby like in one arm, then like smoking in the other. Yeah. Exactly. Both she and the baby would have oversized sunglasses on. <laughs> she and the baby are smoking cigarettes, which is so French. <laughs> Really French. It actually it came out of the womb with a cigarette in its mouth. <laughs> it came out of the womb being like, oh, do you have any marble lights? <laughs> oh, fine. Let's eat the camels. <laughs> it um, came out of the womb with an oversized fur coat on. <laughs> oh my god. It came out of the womb with like a like a really chic oversized dress. <laughs> shout out some sources who aided in the research of this episode. A short style documentary series, Hollywood Stories, available on Amazon. An anthology series, Too Young to Die, also available on Amazon. People.com, MTV.com, and as always, Wikipedia. Want to let us know what you think about Heath Ledger, this podcast, or let us know which celebrity death you can't get over, email your feedback to hollywoodpodcast at gmail.com. And be sure to follow us on Instagram at hollywoodpodcast to get clues about future episodes and photos that go along with the stories. Thank you for listening to this episode of Hollyweird. You can also follow us on Facebook and Twitter. And please join us next time for the third and final installment of the Drop Dead Gorgeous Trilogy, when we promise to not break into song discussing the death of this Canadian actor. Do the, do the Dual Star offices still exist? That's, I they think they still run Dual Star. But like, what the fuck does Dual Star do these days? Because ain't no one taking a trip to Grandma's house. <laughs>